a lot of you have been asking me why I went from posting two blogs a week to one blog a week and now I am posting one blog every fortnight. To answer that, I had to look the meaning of fortnight because I used to think that it means spending a night on a fort. Life has become a little hectic. More work is uh, being thrown around to sustain myself as I have to yet not started some funding campaign to keep this podcast going. Yes, it is kind of sad but this is the world where we live. Not complaining, the podcast will continue even if I get to post one episode per month or every fortnight. So welcome to my fortnightly podcast episode. I am going to butcher this word today. I have interviewed travel book companies, NGOs, restauranteurs and so many other folks in the last few episodes. Then I thought to myself, and should let's get real. People want to hear from a traveler about how they manage their trips and keep it eco-friendly and their day-to-day life. So today my guest is Akansha Sivaj. She has been moving her base between Bhutan, Chandigarh and now Assam because of her husband's army life. And she spends exploring those places wherever she goes to. She is really into eco-friendly decors that adorns every abode where she stays. I am sure that if I ever have a place of my own, I will do something similar. Not right now, my mother will kick me out. And so, without further ado, let's welcome Akansha to Daily Passenger Responsible Travel fortnightly podcast. I hope that you have subscribed to the episodes and listen to the podcast regularly. Hi Akansha, thanks for joining me. Hope that you are doing good. Hi Anshu. Well, I am just getting by waiting for this year to be a little kind and merciful. How have you been? I am good too, thanks for asking. Uh, actually, I don't have an answer for this. Uh, I guess I am just existing. Uh, okay, that went kind of dark. This is a customary question for every guest. Uh, please share a little about yourself and how did the travel bug beat you? Okay, so I come from an army background. I was born and now even married into the army. Uh, I've done my schooling from uh, nine different schools all over the countryside, you know, right from growing up uh, in the mountains in Ladakh to Uti in Tamil Nadu, then again in Manipur, in Northeast and uh, different places in Punjab, Rajasthan. So yeah, you know, we've like uh, lived a nomadic life all these years and I continue to do so even now, uh, thanks to my husband's, uh, you know, job's nature. And uh, probably therefore, I think the traveling comes very naturally to me. You know, we've been doing this as a kid since childhood, moving out every year and a half to a different new place. So, well, uh, that was about my childhood and growing up years. Then I finished my master's in psychology from Ferguson College in Pune. And then I taught at various different schools uh, at different stations, wherever you got posted. But uh, right now, I mostly travel solo and I document my travel sojourns in the form of my blog along with creating content that report a community of travelers and uh, I pitch articles for brands whenever I do get a chance. Also, I'm an avid trekker and a cyclist. I love uh, hiking and I love going on long cycle rides. And I'm currently exploring the countryside here in Assam. We are based out of a small village uh, near the Assam Arunachal border. So we have lots to explore here, but thanks to Corona, I have certain constraints right now, but uh, yeah, I love cycling around here. Travelers change their ways more than often. With me, I lived in a substantial part of my life without a waste. Uh, you, on the other hand, have moved between Chandigarh, Bhutan, and now you are living in Assam. 
you have explored three different regions of Himalayas in the process. What are the differences and similarities that you have observed? Okay, so I have a lot to say on this. Uh, in terms of scenic beauty, I feel they're all akin to each other. I'll talk about similarities first. So yeah, all three of them are equally stunning with beautiful landscape and everything. Arunachal and Bhutan, though I feel, are more virgin as compared to Himachal. But uh, having said that, I feel Himachal too has some beautiful uh, hidden secret, you know, hidden secrets and stunning places in spite of the crazy influx of tourists. <coughs> I found people in all these uh, three regions extremely warm, very welcoming. And surprisingly, you know, Anshul, language isn't really a barrier. You feel that uh, these are like some remote corners of Northeast and probably Bhutan is another country altogether. But I was amazed to find that Bhutanese locals and Arunachal people uh, living in like cut-off villages also are hooked on uh, Bollywood songs and movies. Of course, buying the eastern part of Arunachal where you have more of primitive tribes. And all three are extremely safe for women travellers. I've made some great, great friends from all these three regions in spite of a countless differences. So, well, that was about similarities. Now, about talking about differences, of course, apart from the cultural differences and, you know, food and, uh, I mean, anything to do with culture, uh, I feel there are three major differences that, firstly, I feel Himachal is obviously more developed and advanced when it comes to infrastructure. Connectivity is not an issue there at all. You have decent roads, you have reliable local buses, People are more enterprising there. You'll find more homestays, even in the remotest of villages. So yeah, traveling that side, I think I find it easier and uh, much more convenient. Whereas here in the eastern Himalayas, thanks to the never-ending rains and you know it's perpetually raining all around the year, monsoons are almost five or six months long. So roads are almost non-existent at certain places. There are not enough options for commuting. One has to mostly rely on uh, shared sumos or taxis. Taxis are again very, cabs are very expensive if you're just traveling by yourself. So for budget travelers, shared sumos or catching a bus is the best option. Buses are not as frequent as they are in Himachal. And uh, secondly, uh, Northern Himalayas have, I think, more well-defined routes and trails for trekkers. I mean, there are hikes for every kind of trekker. So if you're into serious trekking or if you just want to go for a day hike, so you have a variety of options there. Well, this end has equally stunning places and treks, but one has a limited range to choose from. And also the terrain is like, probably that's because of the terrain. It's pretty wild. You know, where I am right now, it's even though, uh, again, it's on the border of Assam and Arunachal, and even though we are still in a somewhat civilized, uh, civilized place, but uh, every time I come back from work with my dogs, there are like these blood-sucking leeches on their body and you have these small little machers called dum-dum here. They're pretty nasty, huh? So, yeah, I mean, there's just too much of vegetation here. So, so if you're an adventurous soul, you would love hiking here, trekking here, but it's not meant for people who are just looking for easy, comfortable treks. It's more for, I think, serious trekkers. And uh, thirdly, I think the trails and villages, which I've noticed here on the eastern side, and even in Bhutan, are much more cleaner. I feel uh, this is because of two reasons. Firstly, there's obviously more influx of tourists in northern Himalayas, travelers in northern Himalayas as compared to eastern. And secondly, it's also because I find people decide a tad more disciplined or responsible, you could say, or maybe aware is the right word. You know, I'll quote an example. I was hiking in Bhutan to one of the high altitude glacial lakes with a young village boy 
who was my guide and he was all of 23 his name was again and every time he would come across any sort of litter you know whether it's packet or a bottle or anything he would just pick it up and put it inside his bag so it was almost like i think in a day we were walking for like uh, maybe 8 to 10 hours 8 hours 8 9 hours and uh, throughout the trek it wasn't like he gave up on it he kept collecting someone else's garbage and then there was this one point wherein there was this makeshift signpost which said that you know the lake is so and so meters away so it was simply made out of a thick chart paper and usko they had just you know glued it on a stick now this guy uh, it started snowing halka halka it was like light snowflakes so he immediately took out a plastic bag or polythene from his rucksack and he took a swiss swiss knife and he made a cover for that signpost so that you know it remains intact even in rain so it doesn't get damaged and so i wish we had that sort of uh, you know that sense of belongingness or that sense of responsibility uh, your both uh, in travelers as well as locals i'm not saying it's just the locals of course the travel it's we all know that uh, you know the most of the garbage in the litters due to the tourists or the travelers but uh, i think uh, yeah that is something i feel is missing in the northern himalayas If you are afraid of dumdums then let me tell you that you should spend a few days in Patna. We have the worst mosquitoes in the world. It is proven fact according to science. They don't even go away with the, that uh, every uh, weekly DDT or whatever it is spray. I also feel that the architecture of all these regions uh, is really different. Northeast uses a lot of bamboo, Himachal and Uttarakhand use wood but they are different and Uh, Bhutan uses wood, but then construction style is very different. We all travelers have a certain style that defines our way of exploring. I am more into local commute guy. So, what is your style of traveling, and how does it ensure that it is creating minimal carbon footprint and uh, more of a positive impact? So, I personally feel uh, that one sees and absorbs more uh, on foot, or for that matter, even on slow wheels like cycling. than anything else uh, my traveling revolves generally around cycling to nearby places which are within 100 to 150 kilometers of range otherwise for long travels uh, i'm a budget traveler so i mostly rely on roadway buses and public transport and uh, so i'm more into exploring lesser known places on foot while i'm there and uh, also living with the locals and you know eating what they eat living the way they live learning about their culture is one of my primary goals while i'm traveling uh, i've been really lucky to have lived in uh, monasteries both in bhutan and in arunachal with the buddhist nuns as well as even monks for that matter once and i've camped with the yak herders in high altitudes of hawali then uh, i've stayed once with the gaddis in uh, kangra valley one of my homestay uh owner son was uh, i mean his uh, mama was a uh, gaddi so i happened to stay with them and uh, i once camped in a cave with a uh, few local himachali men at the foot of a glacier of the sir glacier in sanj valley so yeah i'm not saying that all my travels are offbeat in nature of course i do travel uh, whenever i'm traveling with my husband and with dogs and all you can't afford to do that but i mostly prefer doing this and i find these kind of uh, you know experiences more fulfilling and satisfying somehow what are the three things that you do through which you ensure that you are contributing towards a um 
व्हाट डू वी कॉल इट हाँ अपलिफ्टमेंट ऑफ लोकल कम्युनिटीज वाओ आई फॉर्गोट द वर्ड अपलिफ्टमेंट विच इज प्रिटी आयरॉनिक फॉर अ कॉन्टेंट राइटर एंड अ पॉडकास्टर वाओ एनी हाउ ओवर टू यू आकांक्षा there are a few conscious changes that i've made in my life um it's been a year and a half since i turned into a pure vegetarian it's uh, started initially started with giving up on meat and uh, then i gave up on eggs with time and ideas to turn vegan but uh, i'm not sure if i will be able to do that owing to the kind of place we are currently at right now where things are not like readily available and uh, yeah so i think one has to take a greener stance sooner or later and we all are aware that the animal industry does have uh, hazardous effects on our planet so yeah that is one thing then uh, like i said earlier while traveling i mostly uh, i'm a budget traveler and i mostly rely on local buses and public transport also i try covering as much uh, as i can on my cycle uh, of course whenever we're traveling with our dogs uh, we do prefer taking the car but uh, i do most of my travels whenever i'm on mo- i'm on my own uh, through public transport then i have to suppose that i always travel with me in order to avoid buying plastic bottles bisleri or any other water bottle and uh, i think as bloggers we can actually contribute so much like promote cafes or restaurants in our blogs you know as in articles that use uh, metal straws or that have banned uh, plastic use and apart from that while uh, whenever you booking uh, any sort of homestay or a resort or anything for your vacation uh, we can make sure that you know we're booking an eco friendly place um, yeah and in my daily life um, when i'm not traveling thanks to the lockdown uh, i picked up gardening it's been 4 5 months of gardening and i've been growing a lot of plants and uh, so that of course i think does help somehow and with along with that comes uh, recycling and upcycling uh, which another another way to reduce plastic so i've made tons of planters uh, whatever i use at home you know it's upcycled for my plants the kind of uh, planters that i make out of uh, plastic dabbas and bottles so yeah, i feel uh, these are some small steps i think uh, that make a little bit of difference whenever i plan my long treks that involve multiple days of hiking So till date, I've always uh, hired local villagers as guides. You know that way, you not only get to know the place from their perspective, but also you're helping the local economy. And uh, secondly, choosing homestays over hotels or resorts again, along with you know providing them an income. You as an outsider get a chance to live those few days like local. You eat what they eat. Sometimes you even get to cook along with them in the kitchen. You can even help them with farming. and you get to learn so much about the traditions and uh, thirdly uh, support their business by buying directly from them like their handicrafts their handlooms so while you are staying with these people you know you in their homestays and all you often get a chance to see how much effort and hard work is put into it put into the shawls that they make or anything that handicraft that they make so for instance i don't know if you remember watching some of the cycling stories on my instagram where while cycling to one of the villages here in assam i found this old man who was in his late 60s and he made assamese handicrafts with uh, bamboo so i went to his place every day for one entire week to see how he made that from scratch and i was zapped to see how much effort one puts into making baskets out of bamboo you know 
and when i put those stories on instagram he received so much of love from everyone who followed those stories and some people even asked me if they could place an order with him so of course like i have an advantage because i'm living at a place like this uh, on the countryside and all that but not everyone has direct access to the villagers but in that case one can buy from uh, local uh, you know brands that support local business i think it is a very genuine kind of guilt trip that social media sends across that if you are a responsible traveler then you cannot enjoy luxury or travel in cars we are also humans and these are very small things that compared to bigger picture these are very small things compared to bigger picture wow i am on a roll today you can enjoy luxury as a traveler don't feel bad because you are using a car to travel we don't need 100% people doing 100% eco friendly things perfectly we need 10% people doing 10% of eco friendly things imperfectly this is a quote that i just made up and it is true don't google it coming to next question since you mentioned you about your dogs and i absolutely adore them i would really like to meet them but uh, since you are have been changing your base so i unfortunately could not meet them in chandigarh so since you mentioned your dogs what is your advice for travelers who like to take their dogs on their trips just research well i guess make sure that uh, the place that you booked has uh, dog friendly hosts and uh, you know because you don't want to be uncomfortable around them uh both my pets are used to doing long journeys but i do have friends whose dogs uh, often suffer from motion sickness while they're on a move so in case you're planning a long drive make sure that your dog has already done a few rides with you and do carry medicines just in case carry the ration carry their beds because not every uh, pet friendly place uh, likes you know dog hair on their uh, linen and beds Uh, we were lucky to have found Lalit and Sheena in uh, Jibbi in Himachal. Both of them who run BNBs, and they treated our pets just like their family, you know. So it's good to review such places because uh, it not only helps them but also the travelers who are looking for pet-friendly stays. You upcycle and use innovative products for home decoration. How do you manage this, and what is the motivation behind it? So Anshul, if you actually think about it, upcycling has always been a part of our lives. Uh, you know, it's just that uh, because of the whole environmental awareness and everything, the word in I mean the term is actually coming to use right now, upcycling and all of that. But otherwise, it's always been a part of our culture. You know, how our grandmothers would stitch cushion covers out of old sarees, or uh, reuse a discarded plastic dabba to store some detergent powder or any of that stuff at home. Back in the mountains. I'd often find border roads people living in small uh, makeshift tin sheds, and they're not so well off, you know. Yet you would find a small balcony uh, or a garden of sorts outside their room. They would be growing uh, dhania, pudina, you know, tulsi, and other, even for that matter, bright flowers, uh, in some jerry can or a small plastic dab or a tin, and you'd actually find the plant plants thriving. So taking a cue from that, when I started gardening. I propagated a whole lot of plants, and I ran out of pots and planters. So I bought some more uh, pots, and uh, then those two got over after some time. And then I again bought some more. But then I realized that I can't keep burning holes in my pockets. So I looked for all the waste plastic at home, stuff at home, and uh, not only just plastic, even tins for that matter. And I realized I could have actually 
easily made around 20 odd planters right away. So eventually more discarded containers like ghee tins, mushroom tins, you know, protein excadabba, tires, bottles, anything which was lying in junk or uh, junkyard, it came to my rescue. Now Pinterest, YouTube, Instagram have tons of DIY tutorials for beginners. One doesn't really have to be creative or artistic, you know, to make pretty stuff out of waste. I have made quite a few decent planters and even shelves out of discarded wooden planks and window frames that were lying in a pile of junk. And if I, who is so artistically challenged, can do this, anyone and everyone can. One just needs to find whatever is available at home, maybe. Like, pin a few ideas firstly. Don't be hard on yourself. Start with something really simple because it often happens that, you know, you start with something and it doesn't turn out the way you want, so you kind of get demoralized and you stop right there. So, just start with something simple, something doable. And you can do so much with tin dabbas, cardboard stuff, or even for that matter with those fruit patties or crates that you find the fruit vendor stalls, you know. I've used some of them as shelves, as uh, small tables in the balcony in the corners. You could drill holes in uh, tin boxes and use them as lamps, just paint them with some bright colors, or, you know, just put some glitters or stones on them. And one can actually uh, go absolutely wild with you know imaginations for making planters so you have so much there on internet and uh, keep good pair of something that you need for upcycling or just basic tools or you need good pair of sharp scissors glue gun tape uh, paints most probably i mean preferably acrylic since they're the easiest to use for beginners brushes nails hammer a screwdriver and a basic drill machine so yeah instead of adding more waste to the environment uh, you know you can you reuse it at home it not only helps your uh, environment but also it helps you saving your money and you actually get to learn something new you're honing your skills you know so yeah and in the end what is your advice for the young girls who have a desire for travel solo but uh, they can't Okay, so I uh, first thing I know the term solo itself raises many eyebrows. Though our society has evolved quite a bit, but uh, there are certain ideas attached to girls traveling alone by themselves. I mean, I'm in my 30s now. I've been married for quite some time. And very often I've been asked why I don't travel with my husband. Why do I travel alone? And sometimes I can even read on people's faces that, you know, they're thinking that husband a you know. So no matter how old you get, also your parents and family will obviously be concerned. In my case, I've been lucky to have my dad and my husband as my biggest strengths. They always push me to do things that I've always wanted to do. But uh, if one is not able to travel because of family constraints, uh, I totally understand that. I suggest you sit down with your parents, make them understand why you want to travel alone, show them your, show them vlogs of uh, solo female travelers, share articles or blog posts that talk about experiences of solo travelers, keep them in picture, you know, discuss your travel ideas with them, that way you plan to go or what's your agenda like, where would you be staying. It's normal for them to worry, so share the contact details and address of the place that you intend to go and uh, stay at. And always start with places that are not very far from your home. Don't directly plan a trek or an offbeat location where you know you would be out of network. 
so do your homework well read the maps uh, read as many blogs as you can on the pla- planned destination so that you're fully confident yourself and if you're not able to travel because you feel scared or you have this inhibition uh, then i must say that fear is absolutely normal there's always the initial hiccup the world outside is not as bad as we think it is the moment you take the first step that is of getting out or, or you know boarding that bus i think you'd find your fears and or self doubts melt away i think it's all about just breaking the ice thank you akansha for being a part of my fortnightly podcast it was great having you here and i hope that the two people who listen to my episode will find it insightful and entertaining well thank you anshul it was so much fun doing this podcast jokes aside i hope that you liked the episode you can follow akansha at uh, for short travel stories um, from different parts of india uh DIYs upcycling DIYs gardening and other stuff you can check out my instagram it's called akanksha savaj a k e n k s h a s i w a c h and in case you're specifically looking for just travel stories from the mountains in himachal in northeast and bhutan then you could check out my blog it's called uh, tales of the hidden trails.wordpress.com thank you and you can also follow me on my social media platforms All the links are mentioned in the episode's description. I will be back with another episode soon. Stay safe, be happy, and thanks for teaching me the world fortnight.